to Thoughts in the Hoops. My name is Laura Bradburn. Uh, a big week, ups and downs for uh, Celtic this week. We'll go through all of that. Um, we will go through what my thoughts are on that. We'll go through a little bit about uh, some more controversy on Twitter that I seem to find myself in quite regularly. Um, but it's great to see you all here. Item number one that I wanted to talk about tonight is obviously a look back. Seems a while ago now, but it was a look back at the um, Kilmarnock game. Now, obviously going into that one, we had been doing not too bad in the league, as always. No defeats. Um, and it was one of those situations where it was like, seemed like a bit of a tricky one. Never like playing on a plastic pitch, all that kind of stuff. But but we thought that we maybe would would have it in the bag. Um, the unfortunate truth of the matter is it did not turn out that way. Obviously lost the game 2-1. Um, and we'll look back at the... Um, starting lineup for that match um, I'll just put that up here now looking at that uh, I wasn't too concerned about it I was obviously a bit concerned at Nat Phillips being involved um, in the game and the fact that he hasn't set Heatherly as a as a Celtic player so far um, I was glad to see that that midfield of Tomoki McGregor and O'Reilly we, we talked about that last week and whether that would be the answer to our problems and at the time it seemed like it would be um and Mi- Mikey Johnson was in from the start again that uh, you know you kind of expect that at this point um I actually thought the game started pretty pretty well to be honest I thought the first 20 minutes we were doing okay. Um, I thought we were creating chances. I thought we were dominating. But we, but I was watching the game with my dad actually, and I do remember saying um, at the time, as I always do with Celtic, that um, we really had to try and make the most of the chances that we had because if we didn't do that, um, we were going to we were going to rue those chances, and we really didn't take uh, advantage of 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 the chances that we had. In fact, we missed a couple of really, really good ones. O in particular, um, sort of, there was one where the ball was drilled low across and all he had to do was kind of get his foot onto it to tap it in, it seemed, and he kind of missed it. So um, I thought he didn't show himself in the best light against Kilmarnock and, um, and, and the game kind of unraveled from there. I think a lot of the time, you know, Rodgers comes out and says the same things a lot of the time about we didn't move the ball quickly enough, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. But it is evident that that when we don't move the ball quickly enough, um, uh, that it causes us an issue. I think if we don't recycle the ball and get the ball moving, we can't stretch the opposition and we can't find the space that we need. And I definitely don't think we did that in, in enough um, quantity against Kilmarnock. Um Obviously, the the goal was taken really well by by O'Reilly following in on that shot from McGregor, um, uh, and you know O'Reilly has has really added goals to his game, which is fantastic. Obviously, for for us, um, it might mean that he's not with us as long as we would like, but he's going to he, he, as long as we have him, we have to take advantage of that. Now, the the defenders uh, I do want to talk about. 
um, I see um, one of the viewers here. Um, let me just... Uh, Cubertino67 says, Will Scales form dis disappear as quickly as it appeared? Well, it's interesting you say that because um, I actually think he has been... I think he was at fault for the Feyenoord goal on, uh, during the week. I think he is potentially starting to show a little bit of the reason why he's not been as good um, previously um, to what he is now or what he has been in recent weeks. I think, you know, you always hear the phrase you don't become a bad player overnight, but I also think it applies in, in the reverse. Um, and I think, I think Scales potentially might start, be starting to show why he's struggled to get into the team as much um, in the past. He's definitely not a good um, passer of the ball, particularly. Um, he sometimes steps off and steps off and steps off when you want him to go towards the ball. Um, but having said that, I mean, I think the guy has done fantastically in comparison to what we expected of him. Um, particularly in those last, in those first few weeks of the season, when we, when we really needed somebody to, um, to step up for us, um, and I think that's that's something that really needs to be remembered. He's he's done a job there, and I think he'll be a good backup. But I still do think we need to start looking at more permanent options, which we'll discuss a little bit later on in the show. Um, so that was Kilmarnock. It was it was a frustrating afternoon. Um. Uh, and it kind of led to a little bit of frustration online from both myself and other people. But I think what was clear in the frustration after that Kilmarnock match was that two things. I think Rangers have been let back into a title race that they should be nowhere near. And for anybody who says they're not in it, they are going to be very much in it if they manage to to win, I think they've got a game in hand or something like that. If they manage to win that, then then they're going to be very, very close to us and that, that's going to be a problem. And the question you have to ask yourself at that point is, at what point does Brendan Rodgers need to take some accountability? Because I know he is frustrated by the quality of the signings or the lack of quality of the signings that we've got. I know that he um, is constantly banging that drum about we need to get more quality in. But the fact of the matter for me is that he has the squad essentially in the main and get in the comments if you disagree with me here, but he has the he has the squad in the main that won a treble last season. Who's he lost? Um, Jota, Starfell and um, Yakimakis, you would say. Um, who were significant contributors. Yakimak is only up till January. Um, but they're the three main ones that he's lost. Aaron Moy, you could say he's lost as well, but he was kind of a... He, he played in fits and starts, so he's not particularly somebody you would say is a mainstay of, of the success of the team last season, even though he had some pretty key moments for the team. But apart from that, the squad in the main has been the same one that won that treble. And, and you have to ask yourself then... If he's got problems with managing that squad, uh, then 
then you've got to ask questions to the manager there. Now, I know for a fact that the that a lot of the signings that will have come in, Yang and Quan, I don't think will have been Brendan Rodgers signings. Um, I don't know about Lagerbielka and Navrocki, but I'd be very surprised if they weren't, um, or if at least he didn't have a major say in bringing them in. But none of them seem to have been a success. And uh, what? where do you draw the line between what is Rodgers' input and what isn't? You can bet your bottom dollar if we were playing well that Rodgers would uh, that Rogers would be taking all the credit. So I find it a bit difficult to stomach him sort of blaming everybody but himself for um, the the problems that the the team are facing. Um, it's it's really a it's it's really um not not great for him as a manager and I think the other one that frustrates me particularly Mark McDonald says here um that he doesn't think Rogers tactics suit the team and the biggest victim of that appears to be Kyogo um he has taken Kyogo who let's face it everybody myself included has called the best striker since Henrik Larsson for Celtic and okay not every player will suit every manager's style or system. But if you're Brendan Rodgers and if you if you feel you don't have the signings that you want, to especially the signings you want to play, the system that you want to play, then you've got to ask yourself, um, you've got to ask yourself, should I continue to play the system that I want to play? Because if I don't have the players to do it, then I have to adapt to the players that I do have. And if you're going to adapt to the players that you do have, you should play to the strengths of the best player that you have. And in that case, it's Kyogo. Get players who can deliver into him. Get players who can make the most of the qualities he has. And if you've got him firing on all cylinders, you've got Matt O'Reilly stepping up the way that he has done this season and you've got um, you've got Scales stepping up the way he has done this season, there'd have been enough there to suggest that we could have carried on the way we were going at least until January, until we got more of the quality in that he um, that he so de- so desires. Brian McDonald says, uh, love the top. I'll tell you something about this top. I love it, right? And the only reason I got it was because um, Paul John Dykes at Axom did a book, I think it came out end of 2022. He did a book that um was about the history of the Celtic kit and he talked and he talked in the way that he does about the things that he loves about the Celtic kit. And I don't know the I don't know the year of this. It's sometime in the 80s, I think. Somebody can uh somebody can tell me exactly when, but I had never, for some reason, as somebody who likes Celtic football kits, um, uh, I had never seen this strip. And I just, just like, if I could have designed a Celtic strip off the top of my own head that wasn't the hoops, obviously, it would have been something like this. And I think it's absolutely one of the most beautiful football kits I've ever seen. Um, And that's why I ended up getting it from entirely legitimate source, not... But anyway, um, so it's fantastic. Um, yeah, George says uh, it wasn't broken, so why break it? Exactly. You know, Rogers. 
listen, Brendan Rodgers is a fantastic coach, don't get me wrong. You know, he doesn't dominate the way he did the last time he was Celtic manager without being a fantastic manager. But if he doesn't have the same, if he doesn't have the players he wants, then he's an intelligent enough guy to to see what Andrew's doing last se- season and say, I can I can do some kind of hybrid between what I want to do and what Ange did um, and maintain that until we get to a point where we're able to play exactly the way I want to play. Because I, I do agree that, you, that the board have not been great in, in supplying him with what he needs. They've not been great in um, supplying him with um, the quality that he needs. But he's got to adapt in that case. That's what a good manager does. As I said, um, as I said, before that's that's the point of a manager um lisa mclean says there um kyogo has almost disappeared but like you say he's not getting the passes i mean that's that's the top and bottom of it for me kyogo you know everybody could say oh well he's got to get himself more in the game if he's not getting supplied to or whatever that's true but there are as we see with O. There are strikers who can have chances put on a plate for them and sometimes can't finish it. Put them on a plate for Kyogo and he will finish it. We all know that. So we just need to we just need to um to try and make the, the best of that. Um that's an interesting point from Gary Boy. He says we picked a good manager, we did not pick the right manager. We've torn up the foundation Ange laid for us and uh and it's as if the past two years never happened. It's it's I'll tell you something, Gary, that is that is hitting the nail on the head, to be honest. We've stuck to a lot of the elements of what Ange brought in, like the transfer policy and the scouting policy and the markets that we're looking at. But then we've gone and got a manager who doesn't play in the style that Ange plays in. What's the point in bringing in the players that Ange would have wanted for his system, who I'm sure were being looked at before Ange left? And then saying to the new manager, you don't play the way he plays. You don't do the things he does. But we're going to give you the players we would have given him. And you've got to make the best of it. If you're going to change manager and change a style of manager, then give Rodgers the players to, to, to play the system he wants to play. Either that or go for somebody who's got the same philosophy of, as Ange, who will use players in the same way as Ange. You know, pick one or the other. And this is not me sitting talking about um, talking about, oh, I miss Ange and I want him back and whatever. There are millions of ways to play football. I, I I really enjoyed the way that Ange played football, certainly, but there are millions of ways to play the game. But buy the players and recruit the team that's going to suit the way the manager plays that you've got. Um, So, yeah. There you go. Um... Robert Farrell says, you let skillful players free to play, you hold them back and they don't know what they're there to do. I think that's a little bit of it as well. I think I think that's why a lot of players like playing for Ange. I think he, he, because he gets the players in for his system that he wants, he's allowed to give them the freedom to play because he knows they'll essentially do what he wants, but they'll be able to do it to the best of their ability. Brendan's got a much more restricted and restrained way of playing, which might be fine but it's not going to be an enjoyable way of playing for for players who who don't um enjoy playing that way that's for certain um 
and that's 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 the way it has to be. So that's that's a recap of of the last week uh, in terms of the way that we were feeling after um, the Kilmarnock match. We went into the game during the week against Feyenoord, um, pessimistic to say the best, uh, to say the least. You know, there was all these statistics flying around about how little we had won in Europe and. You know, Celtic Park isn't a fortress anymore and it's a dead rubber of a game. Now, I I, I refuse to believe there's such a thing as a dead rubber of a game for a Celtic game in, uh, in the Champions League. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a difficult one. Charles Sweeney's popping in there to say, even in Laura, uh, just popping in to say hello, need to pop out again. It's pizza, wine and movie time. We're we'll, uh, we'll watching the catch-up. Thank you very much, Charles. I hope you do. Uh, enjoy your movie. I hope it's a Christmas one. Uh, P.S. Die Hard is a Christmas movie if you're choosing to watch that. Anybody in the comments who disagrees, you're getting blocked. Um, <laughs> no, Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie. I actually had a, an argument with my sister about this one. She said um, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie, it's just a movie that happens to be set at Christmas. And I said, well, t- what makes a Christmas movie to you then? She says, Home Alone's a Christmas movie. And I says, why? Well, it's set at Christmas time. And I was like, exactly. But that's that's my argument. It's something that I, I just think any film that even mentions Christmas can be counted as a Christmas movie. Um well, but we'll get back to talking about Feyenoord in a wee second. Um and Lisa, I've seen your comment. I'm going to um bring that up in a wee second because that is an important thing to mention. But before I do that, and because I've got a few people in the chat uh now and I've got a few people watching, I said before the game um that uh, I had a very special announcement. Now, you all know that I am formerly a member of the a Celtic State of Mind Parish. Um, I decided to step out on my, my own a few months ago. It's been a number of months now since I've been on the channel. Um, I think I think I made the decision to part ways with Axon back in September and I hadn't been on for a few weeks before that. But I'm very excited to say that tomorrow at one o'clock... Um, I will be taking part in the charity stream with a Celtic State of Mind. I'll be appearing live on their channel. Um, Paul has very graciously asked me to be involved and because it is for such a good cause, I will be there uh, with bells on, Christmas bells on, um, to talk Celtic, um, to have a little bit of fun with you guys. Um, I've coming up with some ideas of some things that we can maybe do um, that aren't just rehashing the, the news cycle the way we normally do. Um, trying to think of uh, like maybe we fun games or debates we can have um, about uh, Celtic history and things like that. So if you've got any ideas um, of things that you'd like me to discuss, things um, about Celtic history, maybe, you know, one of the things I thought about talking about was maybe sliding doors moments. What what would have happened if something had or hadn't happened in Celtic moments? And another thing I was thinking about doing was potentially um, discussing the greatest Celtic team of all time that doesn't include the Lisbon Lions or any of the players from the greatest ever team that was announced in 2002. I think I might be doing that one. But if you um, have any ideas, then let me know. Back to the Feyenoord game. 
we were all talking about how it was a dead rubber and it didn't really matter and all that kind of thing. But as I say, I never think of a Celtic game as a, a dead rubber. And as Lisa says here, she said, there was a wee boy beside me on Wednesday's first match. What a memory for him. That's what it's all about. And that's the thing. It's very easy as a, an older and a jaded Celtic supporter to kind of go, oh, I've been there, I've seen it all, I've 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 watched his win, I've watched his lose, I've I've you know, there's there's nothing more to experience. But there's always somebody coming up who's not experienced uh exactly the type of thing that you let's face it, maybe have come to take for granted. Um, and I think that's what we all need to remember. It's always somebody's first match. It's always somebody's first um, first go round, and it's there's it's always a magical experience for something. Um, <laughs> I don't know that film, Charles. I don't know that film, uh, but uh, it sounds pretty Christmassy to me. Uh, I'll put it up here see if anybody's heard of it. Uh, thanks for the mention, Laura. I can get the oven on now. Christmas movie next week. I watched The Apartment on Christmas Eve. Jack Lemon and Shirley MacLaine set at Christmas time. Now. I, I'm not besmirching your good character, Charles. I, I don't know if that's a bit of an older one than I'm used to watching, but I will give it a go this year. I've got a wee bit of time off over Christmas and I might I might just give it a wee go. Um, there's Les, uh, Les Watts saying, um, uh, he's saying, oh, it mattered to me. I was surprised at how happy that one made, made me feel and I'm 62. It's, it's a... It is a great feeling. Um, Asim, who's a, a new addition to the Axom team, uh, you might have seen him on 67 Hail Hail as well. Uh, I saw him tweet that he um, that his mood had improved greatly after the win against Feyenoord, and that is that's absolutely true. It's it's definitely just something that kind of puts a bit of a spring in your step. Um, there you go. Gary Boy says that he likes the idea of the greatest 11. Um, personally, couldn't pick a greatest 11 without Danny McGrain, though. Do you know something, Gary? I was I was actually trying to think, because obviously, if I do that tomorrow, it will involve getting people in the chat to um, give me their ideas on who, who we should have for each position. And I was like, ah, well, Danny McGrain's going to be the right back, obviously. And then I, I don't know why, but I didn't realise that he he had been named in the Greatest Eleven in 2002. I thought it had more Lisbon lines in it than it actually did. Um, and so I thought maybe Tommy Gemmell was in there as the right back, but he wasn't. So um, uh, Danny McGrain was. And uh, yeah, it's going to be difficult without Danny McGrain. I've got a wee soft spot for Jackie McNamara, but I know he's maybe not uh, what everybody would consider to be a a right back. Maybe I'll just wind everybody up and say Andreas Hinkle, but I don't know. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but um, yeah, the, the the game against Feyenoord was was great. I think um, I think we were slack on the defending um, for the goal that we conceded. I think we nearly completely collapsed after the goal was conceded um, in the way that we often do. And I thought it was going to be one of these situations where we were going to be hit for for two goals pretty quickly. Um, and I thought that 
it was going to be a quick turnaround and we were going to be on another loss, but we managed to kind of hold it together and then obviously get that that relatively late goal and get the win. And I have to say, I was absolutely, you know, I was, I was, it didn't mean anything in the end, um, but it was a fantastic, fantastic goal. Uh, or fantastic result for us. Um, and it does lead us on to another debate. But before I do that, I just want to remind you all that um, obviously you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, Thoughts in the Hoops, if you search it. Um, it's free to do. You can put on the bell. You'll be notified when I go live every Friday at 7pm, uh, Celtic part time. Um, and yeah, comment on the videos. I, I share clips throughout the week so you don't have to watch the full live show. Um Make sure that you you share the videos with friends and stuff like that. Let's get the channel out there. You can also listen on um, the go if you are more inclined to do that. You can listen on the all the big podcast platforms that you know and love. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, all of those. So um, definitely uh, make sure and do that and we will um, try and keep... Thoughts on the hoops getting bigger and bigger. I have ideas and I am talking to um, a few familiar faces that you might know to do something a little bit different uh, with the whole Celtic fan podcast uh, format. Um, but once I have some names tied down, I'll be able to tell you a little bit more about that. But discussions are ongoing. Um, so back to the Feyenoord game. Um, one thing that came up, obviously... Gustav Lagerbielka scored the winner. We haven't seen Heidner hear of him for weeks. He was named, if you remember, in a press conference a few weeks ago by um, Brendan Rodgers as being one of the players who I think, among, uh, along with Tilio, uh, Navroki and a few others, who people assumed were still injured, he was named as people, one of the people who was not injured but needed to kind of show more in training. What baffled me then was that when he came on and scored the goal, uh, there was a there was a tweet by um, there was a tweet that I saw that mentioned how um, how he there it, there it is there I'll put, I'll put it up here. Um, Share this instead. Um, let me see. So this was the tweet I saw. It says, um, Rogers on Gustav Lagerbielka's late winner after the match. It said, it was a great moment for Lagerbielka because he hasn't been involved in a lot of the squads, but his attitude and training has been superb. He's, um, he's always been ready. It was a really nice moment. And I have to say, that kind of baffled me because... It flew in the face of everything Rodgers had said in the last few weeks about the attitude of the players who haven't been involved. And and when you make statements like the ones he had made, whether he's naming Lagerbielka specifically or not, people jump to conclusions about that and sort of assume that if one person's got an attitude problem, then everybody in the same position has an attitude problem. So when he says things about Marco Tellio and, and, and things like that, you you assume the same of the other ones. So for him to then turn around and say, well, Lagerbielka's had a, a great attitude all the time, why has he not been in the team? Why has he not been uh, one of the first on the team sheet? He was getting called up for Sweden. 
without being able to get into the Celtic team. And that just makes me wonder again about... Well, listen, I don't think you can ever 100% trust what any manager says because I think they have to keep some things sacred. So there's it's obvious that on some occasions Rodgers is saying what he needs to say to get through an interview without revealing too much. But when you start seeing contradicting statements like this, you have to wonder whether it's entirely correct what is being said or entirely true what is being said. What's for certain with Lager Bielka is he came on and he didn't look out of place. He provided the, the threat for us to get the goal. And I would love to see him start at the weekend. Now, how likely that is, I don't know, because I think Scales is going to have to do more wrong than he has done to lose his place. Carter Vickers, if the hamstring issue that he's he's had the last couple of weeks resolves itself, will be straight back in. And then you've got to ask yourself what's happening with Mike Navrocki at that point. Um, uh, Uncle Nobby Steamboat, good to see you. He says, um, howdy Laura, howdy troops. Big Lager will score a few goals this season. We've missed an aerial threat. We have exactly that. I mean, listen, he didn't really need to go off the ground because of the perfect placement of that cross from, from um, Matt O'Reilly. But he certainly um, provided a bit more of a threat than a lot of other people. And I think that was... That was vital for us. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder what you guys think about Lagerbielka. Should he be in from the start of the weekend? Should he be um, considered? And if he does come back in, who does he come back in ahead of? Because another person we've not spoken about so far is Stephen Welsh. I don't think he did much of anything wrong. In fact, he kept a clean sheet in the Champions League um, the other night, if you remember, because Feyenoord didn't score until after he went off the pitch. So he has every right to think he's in with a shout. Um, he was very assured. And I saw, I can't remember who it was I saw, but I saw somebody on Twitter, I think it was, um, uh, talking about the fact that Welsh recycles the ball quicker than the other defenders have this season and it allowed us to get uh, attacks started much, much quicker. And I think that's a vital thing that we need to remember is that um, that that we, in order to... Um, in order to create those attacks, we need to start at the defence. Um, and I think that that is what Lagerbielka has allowed us to do. Um... That's an interesting one from, from Mark there. He says, um, play Welsh as a defensive mid. I'd like to hear a little bit more about why you think that might be an option, but maybe it's to do with what I was just talking about there, the, the fact that he recycles and passes the ball as well as he does. Um, I take it that means also that you're not a huge fan of, of Vewata because obviously he's been in the last couple of games, but he did take a... He did take a knock in the Feyenoord game that might mean that he's he's out for a little bit as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, looking back at the, the Champions League run in general, I have to say that the, the result against Feyenoord uh, frustrated me even more in a lot of ways because I felt it indicated that we just had a great opportunity 
Atletico Madrid aside, we had a great opportunity to really stamp our authority on that group. I didn't think Feyenoord or um, Lazio painted themselves in any kind of glory. Um, I thought that they kind of got wins as much due to our own incompetence, as much to uh, due to their competence. Um, I thought there was a lot of features, especially in the Lazio games, of us shooting ourselves in the foot, as we often do in Europe. And, and so it frustrated me. I don't think if we got, you know, obviously the, the format of the Champions League is going to change next season, so it's not going to be the same. But I think that was a real opportunity, given the strength of some of the teams you could have got. That was a real opportunity to to even get Europa League football, which I was disappointed we couldn't even challenge for in the end. Um, Wolf Tone says um, the Feyenoord game has glossed over the critical assessment on recruitment, the board and Rogers. I don't know if you've come in late, Wolf Tone, but I have. Um, broken down a little bit of that in the first half of the show so I, I it's it's definitely not distracted me from what needs to be done um yeah so um J- joseph mcgonigal says awata hasn't had any luck i believe he's a player i do think he's a player as well i thought he was fit. i was like i said last week i was at the hibs game um and I thought he was really tidy and played really, really well. So I would like to, I would like to think that we're going to see a little bit more of him. I would hate to think that that's him, you know, out of the reckoning for, for the future. Um, I don't think he he, he will be. But um, no, that's all right, Wolf Tone. There's 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 plenty of being discussed there, and I think, I think you're, I think you raise a valid point though. I think we have to make sure that the the Feyenoord game doesn't. Um, distract us from the the problems that we still have and that we need addressed in January, and I don't think it will have um, distracted Brendan Rodgers. I think he knows exactly what needs to be done, and I think he will look to do that in January. What I'm worried about, what I'm very worried about, is that if the board don't uh, back him in January, or at least look serious about backing him. In the summer, he's going to think to himself, what am I doing here? Because it's clear in some of the comments that he's made that there's a reason he came back here. He came back to achieve things that he hadn't achieved the last time round. Let's face it, the guy achieved everything there was to achieve the last time. All he's got to do now is get us more, um, more competitive in Europe. Now, there's nothing about there's nothing about Rogers' um, managerial career so far to suggest that that's even going to happen he's pl- he's had better squads than the one he's got now at both Liverpool Leicester and um and his previous Celtic squad and hasn't managed to do anything in Europe so I, I I remain to be convinced whether that's even something he's got in his wheelhouse but if he says he's serious about doing that then the board have to back him and allow him to do that um Tobago says, uh, it's good to see you again, um, says, do we need CCV for Hart? Surely another week's rest gives him a greater chance of playing on the 30th. I'd be interested to know what um, people think about this. I'm a bit concerned that if he doesn't play against Hearts, is he going to be ring rusty for the game against Rangers? Because 
It'll be a number of weeks since he's played if he doesn't play until the Rangers game. And I do wonder whether that's going to become an issue. Um, but, you know, we'll have to... We'll have to see what, what happens with that. Let's just go through a couple more of the comments. It's great to see everybody in here. Honestly, um, I can't believe people would choose to spend even a fraction of their Friday night listening to me batter on about Celtic, but I really, really appreciate it. Um, if you weren't in the stream earlier on, uh, I just wanted to say I'm pleased to announce that um, I will be joining... Uh, Paul John and the Axom team for the charity stream over the weekend I will be doing an hour slot um, I think around 1 o'clock uh, tomorrow, Saturday um, so before the Hearts game um, I'll be doing an hour um, to help out with that charity stream and to hopefully um, help raise money for a fantastic cause so make sure if you're not already subscribed to Axom which I'm sure the majority of you will be um, get over there, subscribe, get notifications on. I believe they're going to be live from about 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, so um, I'll definitely be watching in before I, I join the broadcast. Um, going to be a little bit shorter show today. I'm saying that. I don't know how long I'll ramble on for, the, for at the end here. Um, but um, I know that because I've got tomorrow um, in, in the offing that... Uh, that I didn't want to go on for too long tonight. But as I said as well, uh, my plan for tomorrow is to to look at using the comments and everybody to get a Celtic's greatest 11 together. And I really hope that we can do that. Um, but one thing I wanted to do before we finish up the show is have a look at this. It's the um, festive period fixture calendar. Um, now, I... It's always it's always a a packed one. You could argue that some of the the fixtures we've had already are um part of that particular um fixture calendar, but but looking ahead at what we've got in the next few weeks, um, and it, it would include into January because we've got a little bit of a break after January, uh, after the start of January, we've got Hearts and Livingston at Celtic Park. We've then got Dundee away on Boxing Day. We've got Rangers um, at home at Celtic Park and then we've got St Mirren away um, on the 2nd of January. Now, St Mirren have caused us problems before in the league. Rangers, as much as I hate to say it, could be a little bit of a flip of the coin because um, you never know how the atmosphere is going to go with those games. Um, I really think... The key going into the Rangers game is we need nine points from the next three matches. We need to beat Hearts at home. We need to beat Livingston at home. We need to beat Dundee away. The good thing about Livingston is um, we seem to have overcome whatever hoodoo they had over us. And certainly that was more um, at the Tony Macaroni. Um, and uh, so Liv Livingston at home hopefully shouldn't be a big issue. Hearts could be a tricky one, but um, I'm always confident against them at Celtic Park as well. And they haven't been fantastic this season, so we need to really build on that. Dundee away on Boxing Day. I don't know if I'm just feeling a little bit pessimistic or whatever, but it's got that's got the air of a banana skin for me. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm being too negative about that, but it does have that feel about it where it's like, 
that's going to be a vital one. It's going to be vital for a couple of reasons. One, if you've already won the first two games, you want to get that 100% from the Dundee game. But also, what it can do for you afterwards, you don't want to go into the Rangers game off the back of a loss or a draw. You want to go in all guns blazing, confident. You want to be fully ready for, for whatever Rangers are going through at you. And listen, they... They are not a fantastic team, but as I said, these Glasgow derbies are, you know, there's no predicting them really. You know, we've all we've all seen situations where Celtic are the stronger team, um, and and Rangers have overcome us. Although it's been rare in recent years, it has happened, and we certainly saw times where uh, the old Rangers were the dominant side in, in Scottish football and we still managed to take something off them. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but it's it's going to be a hectic time and it's going to be, I, I really believe the outcome of the next five matches could, it, it won't, but it could go a long way to deciding the the outcome of the league this season. Um, and And my feelings about how the season's going to end will very much depend on um how that how that goes um I, do you know something i'm looking at the comments here and i love this comment i'm not even going to even try to pronounce your name but i'm going to pull it up anyway so it's great to see you back laura you're always on point for me and una my wife is a big fan well hello to both of you thank you very much for watching i don't know that i agree i'm totally always on point i sometimes don't even agree with myself but um it's really good to have you watching um i really appreciate it um just take that off um i think we're going to call it quits there guys that was um a little bit of a shorter show than i normally do but um i just wanted to have a quick uh, summary of of the week that's been. Um, I think we've got plenty of football coming up over the next couple of weeks that I'll definitely be around to summarise. I might even be able to throw in a couple of extra streams over the Christmas holidays for any of you that are looking for for something to watch. I really appreciate you being here. Um, don't forget to like the video and subscribe and all that stuff when it goes up on YouTube. Watch the clips and all that kind of thing. Really appreciate that that you do that. And um, I'll see you tomorrow um, over on the Celtic State of Mind channel for the charity stream. I'll be there at one o'clock, but please make sure and tune in throughout the day to um, watch as much of it as you can because um, every viewer and every donation that you can make will help a fantastic cause. Um, that's all from me. And until next week, see you soon. <laughs>